Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Blackwood Show. The Black, the Black, the Black, Black. Welcome to the Blackwood Show. I'm Taylor Blackwood, and this is my show. We're going to do another personal finance episode today. I'm going to talk to you about how much you should be saving. An interesting uh, topic. Lots of different opinions about that out there. Spoiler alert. The thing that I subscribe to is that you should be saving 15% of your gross income. So not after tax income, but your gross income each year in preparation for retirement and other things. Uh, I'll do future podcasts about how to organize that, but that is the spoiler alert. I I subscribe to the idea that you should save at least 15% of your gross income each year. That's a really tough thing to do. That's a lot of money. You know, figure out that amount. If you aren't familiar, you should look at your paycheck. You should look at the top line, not the bottom line of what's getting deposited into your account. And you should look at that top line and 15% of that, right? So Another thing you do is drop a decimal and uh, multiply by half again, right? So anyway, so what what you're trying to do is get 15% of that gross number and put it away into savings. So it helps if you can do this into like a 401k or a Roth IRA or a tax advantaged account. But other than that, you should be putting it into a brokerage and figuring out how to invest a little bit. Just sound investment advice to be saving in general. At 15%, uh, I'm going to unpack a little bit where I got it from, why I believe in it versus other rules. There's some other rules of thumb out there. One very famously is put forward by uh, Elizabeth Warren, which some of you might know as a potential presidential candidate for the Democratic Party. She's a senator, right? She's definitely a representative, but I think she's a senator. And she, uh, she might be in the House. Anyhow, so Elizabeth Warren, she had uh, been a bankruptcy uh, a professor at Harvard, which I did not know about her and her and her daughter co-authored a book that has kind of gotten picked up on where they, they say that you should have a 50, 30, 20 rule and the 20 in that. Oh, so the 50, 30, 20 rule breaks down how you should spend your income. Uh, and they use the amount that you take home. So the amount that actually gets put into your account from your check after taxes and other deductions. So they say, uh, the, the they should, break down that income, what actually goes in your bank account into a 50, 30, 20 rule. So the 20 in that is how much they say you should save. So again, mine is 15% of gross income. They're saying 20%, so a bigger percentage, but of your net income. So after tax income and, uh, that, that I don't really subscribe to that quite as much. The 15% is a little bigger and the logic behind it, I think is better. They're trying to come up with an amount that you should save in retirement. Um, that's multiplicative of your total take home. Whereas fidelity is where I got my 15% from. I think they did some pretty good math behind it. I'm going to include a link to this page in my show notes. So if you guys want to check it out and read a little more, uh, you can see their logic behind it. They actually factor in all sorts of things. They factor in the age that you should start at. They factor in things like the amount that you're going to draw from social security later in life, uh, whether or not you have a pension, things like that. But they say the general rule of thumb is 15% of your pre-tax income each year. The assumption here is that you're going to save for retirement from the age of 25 to 67. So you could argue that's even a late start. Most people would begin their career at 22. And I really recommend, especially to young people who are listening to this podcast, or if you're just starting out your career, like a lot of you are, go ahead and start saving immediately. If you can start saving before 25, it's so much better because of compounding interest. I did a great episode. One of the best episodes that's ever been done. (laughs) No, not really, but I did do a great episode on compounding interest. You should go check it out. And you'll see why. But basically, this assumption is that you're going to be saving from age 25 to 67. 
And it says together with other steps that should help you ensure that you have enough income to maintain your current lifestyle in retirement. How did we come up with 15%? First, we had to understand how much people generally spend in retirement. This was really fascinating to me. So they actually went and poured into data. I think they did some um, surveys and things like this, but they looked at how much people spend in retirement versus how much they were earning in their good working years. And this was interesting to me because I was curious about how people would behave. It's a scary thing. This is something I talked to about with other entrepreneurs and uh, guys who have sold their businesses for seemingly huge amounts of money. Guys I know who are like athletes uh, in the major leagues and things like this who, who made a ton of money, but now they aren't working. They retire for a period and they look at it and they have this gigantic nest egg of tons of money. What most people regard is more money you could need in two lifetimes, but it's different psychologically when you're spending down that nest egg. It's a really interesting thing. And, th and this kind of goes towards the argument of should you sell your business or not? Because when you're a kid, you dream of that lifestyle, right? That one day you sell your business for $10 million, $100 million, a billion dollars, whatever. And you're just going to spend the rest of your life sitting on a beach, but it doesn't really happen that way in practice. You know, for oftentimes it's the same things that make a person successful, keep them working, keep them driven, keep them moving forward. But also there's a psychology to selling your business and just living off the nest egg. It's very different to uh, have a set amount of money that you need to make last the rest of your life versus having an income that has some upside, maybe is increasing or at least is meeting some of your expenses. So you're not digging a hole, quote unquote, psychologically. I think for most people anyways, it's easier to spend money when you have an income, not just a nest egg, even if you don't have a lot of money saved up off to the side, all things being equal. I don't know if that was a little bit of a confusing statement, but to, to reiterate and to kind of clarify what I mean by that is that if you have, say you have a million dollars saved up in an income of $250,000 a year or something like that, or you could have $10 million as a nest egg with no income, it's easier for people to splurge and to spend more money with that $250,000, a million dollars saved uh, scenario than it is with the $10 million saved and no income because of the psychology behind it. The idea that if I spend this, I'm eating into my nest egg that's precious and I need it to grow and I need to be able to get through recessions and things like this and go up and go down. And I still need to be able to rely on it. It's a scary thing to try to live without working. And you really need either a lot of money or a lot of discipline or both to be able to do it successfully. So anyways, uh, I think, I think I subscribe to the philosophy that I would want to keep on working in some capacity, at least doing like, I don't know, consulting or some smaller business that I run or something like that. Even if I, uh, did have like a big payday one day or a cash out of my business or something like that, I would want to keep working. It's just hardwired in me that way. And I think it's a big check in the box of keeping your business rolling, you know, keeping doing what you're doing unless you have. And also a quick side note on this. If you have something that's working as an entrepreneur, just really focus on that because it's hard to, to bottle lightning over and over again. I was talking with one of my business partners about that over the weekend. And, you know, we've tried some other concepts and things like that. But once you have your core concept that's really working, you should really prioritize and understand how precious that is because it is a very big thing to have something that works that way. But I'm getting a little bit off track. Let's bring it back home to uh, how did we come up with 15%? I was starting to talk about uh, people and how much they spend in retirement, right? And then that's what got me on the topic of, um, you know, having a nest egg versus having an income and how your spending might change. Well, sure enough, when people retire, they spend less than they do during their working years. So that's kind of consistent with my theory that it's easier to spend money when you have an income and, and future years of work ahead of you instead of having just one big nest egg you're trying to protect and live off of the rest of your life. So back to the article, how did we come up with 15%? First, we had to understand how much people generally spend in retirement. After analyzing enormous amounts of national spending data, not just normal amounts of spending data, but 
enormous amounts of national spending data that Fidelity has analyzed here for us. We concluded that most people will need somewhere between 55% and 80% of their pre-retirement income to maintain their lifestyle in retirement. So again, those numbers are 55 to 80% of their pre-retirement income. So if you're making a hundred grand at retirement, they found in the data that you're going to spend between $55,000 and $80,000 a year. So now you need to start to think about how many years you can live after 67. Well, you know, average life expectancy is growing and expanding. People are getting healthier and living longer. And it's, um, you know, and apparently you're going to spend somewhere between 55 and 80% per year of your income. So that's how many years of your income you need to save up. And you need to start to think about that young, right? I mean, it's, that's a difficult thing to catch up on if you don't do a diligent job of saving in your 20s, certainly in your 30s and 40s. If you're in your 40s starting for retirement, you are late. You are late to the party and you didn't bring any white claws. So you need to get on top of it if you are uh, uh, starting later in life or if you aren't um, in your 20s and, and maybe even 30s starting to think about retirement. That's a good little uh, gut check for you guys. I really recommend starting earlier because of compounding interest, like I mentioned earlier. It's just so much easier to have your money working for you. But more importantly than that is the discipline that comes from starting early. And I say this before, I wish I had followed my own advice better because I didn't really diligently start saving for retirement until I was like 25 or 26. Now, again, I'm an entrepreneur. I have a business that's worth a decent amount in the background that I have some shares in, and that seems to be growing, knock on wood, but I can count on that kind of as my nest egg later. So it's not quite as critical for me to, like some people could argue that that was me saving, having the, the income or the, the equity in that business and the, and the shares there. But as an entrepreneur, and this is a piece of advice I'll give to all you entrepreneurs listening to this, I think you should treat your budget as if you don't have any equity in your business, you know, as long as you have a reasonable salary and income coming from your, from your work, then you should really treat your, your budget as if you don't have any equity in the background. That's how I've tried to keep discipline and build my lifestyle rather than just spending all my salary, spending all my income and counting on that equity in the business one day. I like to pretend like it's not there. Another way to look at that is to diversify away from your business, that if your salary is coming from a business that you own, then you kind of have all your eggs in one basket and knock on wood, you know, God forbid something go wrong in that basket, you can end up in a really, really difficult financial situation. So I like to pretend like my income is it and I budget around that. So even though I have some equity in the background, I'm still trying to save that uh, 15% of my gross each year, like this recommends and build my lifestyle around it. So bring it back home between 55 and 80%. That number kind of blew me away. I thought that was kind of high. I thought that was higher. That's higher than I would have guessed um, that, that people spend right up to 80% anyways, kind of surprised me. I would have thought that 55 or 60 would be the upper bound of that estimate, but people spend a lot of money in retirement and rightfully so you should be enjoying those golden years, right? So start prepping, start prepping young. That's a, a big bit of advice that I have for you. So how did we come up with the 15%? First, we had to understand how much people generally spend in retirement, blah, blah, blah. Not all that money will need to come from your savings, however. Some will come from Social Security. So we did the math and found that most people need to generate about 45% of their retirement income before taxes from savings. So this is saying that you know everyone gets Social Security in the United States as a part of their retirement package. So if you're one of my international listeners, you might not be as familiar, but it's kind of like your pension abroad or you know different countries have different ways of uh, of kind of dealing with what is essentially a pension, but giving, you know, retirement age people in their communities money. So you need to look at whatever your country gives you and kind of factor that into your thinking. Now it's difficult if you have a big change in your income throughout your life. 
So what I mean by that is that if you start to earn more and more later in your career and become more accustomed to that lifestyle, then you need to be very careful with your retirement amounts and you need to adjust accordingly and kind of aggressively because you're going to have a little bit of a hole to make up from those years in the early part where you were um, making less and spending less. So if you let lifestyle creep come into play, like I think you should, then uh, then it, it is imperative that you make up for that uh kind of that rampant income, because what they're assuming in this math is that your income is only going to grow 1.5% a year. Now that's reasonable for a lot of people, but if you're an entrepreneur and you're this, you know, if you're interested enough in your career and improving yourself to listen to this podcast or podcast like this, then there's a very high likelihood that you're going to see a big ramp in your income later in life. And especially if you have some equity and you cash it out. So you got to be careful with two things with that. You got to be careful for lifetime creep or lifetime lifestyle creep. And lifestyle creep is where you start to spend more and more money as you make more and more money. And especially if you let the percentage of, of your income that you spend on fun things grow, you know, so if instead of you spending 20% of your income on fun stuff, you make more money and start to spend 30%, like, like oftentimes rich people do, you can really dig yourself in a pit. So be careful about lifestyle creep and also be cognizant that you need to make up for those early years of you not making as much money if you make more money later in life. And especially if you're getting used to those bigger uh, that bigger lifestyle. So think it through, you know, double check, check out this article, check out the math and see if it's applicable to you. This is great advice for the average person, but this actually suggests that if you have a big ramp later in life, then mathematically you're going to need to save even more than 15% of your gross income. So I kind of follow this 15% gross income rule, but I actually try to exceed it whenever possible. This is something that all of us are able to do. It's just a question of how much compromise you want to make in lifestyle. This is the really the core question of personal finance and the most difficult one, because most people say, oh, you should just save 15%. Here's the rule of thumb. Elizabeth Warren says you should save 20% of your after tax income, so your take-home pay. So she thinks 20%. Fidelity thinks 15% of your gross. And there's all these different opinions for it and things like this. But really what you're trying to balance is future consumption versus current consumption. Now, most people say that there's a huge retirement crisis looming in the United States and that people do not save enough here. And that's probably true. But there's also a good argument to be made on the other side. And, and what I mean by that is that Having money early in life, in my opinion, is more valuable than having it later in life. So I'll take an example of like if you're 80 years old and you give an 80 year old $10,000 versus you give that same $10,000 to a healthy 24 year old who's active and doing fun stuff with their friends, they're probably going to get more fun units out of it, more units of fun, right? I mean, in our 20s, we, we're just wilder. We, we have more fun with toys and things like this than you're probably going to in your 80s. So there's a good argument for spending money today, right? When you're young and you're going to enjoy it and you're going to, you know, take a, a loved one on a vacation or go with your friends and I don't know, be dumb and have a fun night in a club or, you know, go and buy some toy that you're, you know, a nicer car than you um, thought you would have at that age and enjoying having a sports car at 24 or whatever, right? Those things aren't necessarily wrong. And I'm slow to criticize people. I mean, there are like, you know, personal finance gurus out there who say, oh my God, how could you have a Lamborghini at 25 when you don't have X number of dollars saved or whatever? But I kind of get it. You know, there's some value to that. And there's, there's something to having fun young in life and spending some money when you're going to really, really enjoy it. That was actually something one of my mentors taught me and it was from him observing his own father. And he said, you know, he saved all this money and, and they would have some cruises once a year or whatever and have a little bit of fun, but it, it wasn't as much fun as they would have had if he and his wife had been spending a little more of that in their forties, you know, and 
<laughs> a lot of people I know say I want my last check to bounce, right? That they want to, they, they don't want to have a bunch of money sitting in a bank account late in life because what good does that really do you? And, and money when dealt with accurately is a, is a respected tool. And what I mean by that is that it can fuel a lot of fun in your life. It can do a lot of things for you. It can do a lot of things for your loved one. It can do a lot of things for the impact you want to have on the world and you should respect it and honor it and understand how to handle it diligently. But keep in mind, it's still a tool. And uh, I mean, I knew a rich guy when I was growing up. He's kind of like a family friend or whatever. And he was super wealthy, but very miserable. <laughs> you know, and he, and he would hoard every penny and fight with, you know, people about every last dime. And even though he had some money and he drove a nice car and had a cool house and stuff like that, he was very, very frugal in every single one of his uh, other interactions. And he, you know, he lived a, a decently long life, but probably died in his late sixties, early seventies of uh, kind of poor health and things like this, probably because he went around stressed for a lot of his life. Right. And it just seemed like that money having that big number in the bank account became the thing rather than enjoying life. And you got to keep perspective that money is fuel and current consumption, especially when you're young and able and healthy, uh, has some merit to it. And there's nothing guaranteed in life, including a future, right? So you want to be diligent and prepared for retirement for sure. But I also don't criticize people for splurging a little bit younger and figuring out how to make up for that gap later. Now, if you're just spending every dollar you have, every chance you get on incredibly frivolous things that are increasingly less fun to you or whatever, then yeah, I criticize that and say, it's not, it's, that's not smart of you, that you should be more diligent. You should save more money. But if you're splurging occasionally with an eye towards, Hey, I, I'm riding my, you know, I, I'm cashing a check early. I owe this to my future self, so to speak. I don't think that's that irresponsible. Uh, now the people who do it blindly, like I mentioned, you know, the people who don't understand the consequences of their action and spending too much early in life that, that I am critical of, and you need to think twice, but if you have your eyes open about how much, uh, you need for retirement, if you have your eyes open about having to give up more in your fifties or sixties or something like that, uh, to make up for a hole that you built in your twenties. Okay. But go ahead and start, start your retirement fund. Even if you plan on spending and splurging a lot, go ahead and start it and, and start saving up and start to get that habit, start to see that account grow in the background, I think is a really important thing. I started to touch on that a moment ago, but I wish I'd taken my own advice and started younger. Cause as soon as I created the brokerage account and started to really diligently manage the money and see that money grow and things like this, uh, it was very rewarding to me. And that's where I started to do, I actually found myself saving more when I had started saving, right? That, that behavioral aspect of getting started and seeing that account be real and seeing it be real money that you have saved up. That's exciting. And that's something that is going to have one good behavior, beget another, you're going to do more of it because you're going to be impressed with your account and you're going to be impressed with how much it's growing. Um, so go ahead and get something saved and look at that account, you know, at least a couple times a quarter or something like that. Manage it a little bit, get a little active in learning about stocks or index funds or something like that. But also make sure that you balance it and have some fun. So those are some rules of thumb for retirement. I'd love to hear you guys' thoughts and I'd love to hear what you're doing for retirement right now. I'm getting some great listener feedback. Lots of you guys are sending in questions. Lots of you guys are sending in um, little feedback and lots of you guys are, are responding to the questions I asked in the podcast. So I'd love to know what percentage of your income do you save and how diligent are you about it? And what I mean by that is, are you consistent about it? Uh, is it growing? Is it decreasing? Are there exceptions that you make? Uh, you know, kind of what is your retirement looking like and what does your savings look like? If you would include your age in that, just because I'm curious and you can send it to the blackwood show at gmail.com. And uh, I'll talk to talk about it in the future. You can also send that to the Blackwood Show on Instagram. I have my Instagram account there that I monitor really regularly and post to. So a lot of you guys are following it and I appreciate the support. You can send it there as well. 
But that's kind of the rules of thumb, you know, 15% again of your gross income. So the top line of your paycheck or Elizabeth Warren says 20% of your take home pay. Now the take home pay one was kind of fun because she did 50, 30, 20. So the 50% was on your core expenses like rent, car note, bills, utilities, blah, blah, blah. Uh, 30% was on your lifestyle. So your fun, the extra money you spend beyond just core groceries on like a nice night out, uh, your vacations, your toys, blah, blah, blah. And then the 20% was retirement. So it's kind of just an easy budget to follow that way. Um, it also makes sure that you have an appropriate size house, that you have an appropriate size rent bill, that you have an appropriate size car, that you have, uh, an appropriate amount of fun, you know, so it kind of keeps everything in balance and in check that way. Uh, personally, I think that's a good one size fits all rule. I think as you start to be a high income earner, you actually need to save a bigger percentage than that though, of your take home pay. And I actually think the same with this 15% rule. I think that you can exceed it a little bit when you're a higher earner. So let's unpack that for a moment. Cause again, you guys are successful. You know, you're, you're thinking about your finances. A lot of you are entrepreneurs yourself. A lot of you are trying to figure out how to make your business more successful. A lot of you are already super successful or listening to this podcast. You know, when I check out some of y'all's Instagram profiles back, when you follow me and stuff like that, I see some pretty, some pretty impressive people, you know, people who are really killing it in life and doing things big. So that's fun to see. But so a lot of you are successful and let's talk about uh, retirement when you're successful in percentages, you can save a lot more than that uh, 15% when you're super successful. And that's making, and that's kind of has a double edge sort of a double positive is that you aren't allowing too much lifestyle creep to come in when you are saving a larger percentage of your gross income that way, as you start to get more successful in life. Now, the saving more than 15% versus saving more than that 20% rule, it's, it's much harder to save higher than 15% of your gross when you're making more money because you're paying more in taxes. So again, the Elizabeth Warren's rule is 20% after tax. Fidelity's rule is 15% before tax. Well, the before tax part uh, has a lot more eaten up in, in as a percentage of your tax burden as you start to make more money, right? Because that top bracket is, you know, in some states above 40% when you combine state and federal income tax. So it can really eat into your total budget. Uh, but again, I, that's why I like to follow the 15% rule. That's why I recommend, and especially for entrepreneurs and successful people who own their own business, that's what I recommend because it takes that into account and it shows that growth over time. And I think a good target, if you're super successful, you know, if you're, if you're killing it in life and you know, I don't know, you make more than 400 grand, 500 grand a year, something like that, then you should really be aiming for 20 to 25% of your total income. I think that's a good goal for you. Uh, people who are listening who are ultra successful and to be diligent about that, to figure out how to, you know, maybe scrutinize what things in your lifestyle you don't really need. And maybe you don't need that third car or whatever and, and things like that. If you're, um, if you're looking for that in your budget, but, but make some trade-offs and kind of get to that higher percentage. I think you'll really be pleased that you did because having a good nest egg as an entrepreneur is a very important thing. Cause the same thing that hurts your income also hurts, uh, the value of your business and your equity in the background. So it's really critical to have a good amount of money saved up because it allows you to more safely ride out those waves and also to make better decisions as an entrepreneur. If you don't have a big nest egg, if you don't have a lot of money saved up, then you're going to be concerned about your personal finances. And that's going to distract you valuable time your week away from focusing on the business and making the business better. So really own in and focus on, um, you know, having a big nest egg and saving up early so that you have more options, especially if you hit a rough patch, you're going to be that much less distracted with your own personal finances. So that's the podcast for today. How much should you be saving? I think at least 15% of your gross income. I'm going to post the link to the article in the show notes so you guys can check out this Fidelity article. It's really well thought out and they do a good job of explaining how they came up with the 15% and what assumptions it has, like your starting age and retirement age and blah, blah, blah. 
So let me know what you think. Again, you can reach me on the Blackwood show at gmail.com or on my Instagram at the Blackwood show. And I really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to me. We're, we've been growing as a channel. We've been getting a lot of great engagement. A lot of you guys are steady listeners, listening to a bunch of the different podcasts. So I really, really appreciate you guys. And I appreciate you uh, sharing it, you know, telling your friends or um, uh, spreading the word a little bit about the podcast, especially if you think something like this is relevant or you can think of someone who would like, you know, this podcast. I really appreciate you guys spreading that around so we can get some more growth and touch some more lives. Well, thanks so much. I'll talk at y'all soon.